0: Imagine That Studios and Koru Studios, in association with Harper Voyager Books, presents Tales from the Archives, Volume 1, the official anthology of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. Miss Braun, are you still working through that case from my predecessor? Agent Whitby? Yes. This case seems to go on forever. Just wait until you see our next one.
1: So what exactly can you tell me about this? Well, you didn't mention that Harry was on this case. Agent Thorne, your previous partner? Yes. And peculiar still, he never mentioned this case to me. Really? Yes, and Harry did love to regale me with stories of his previous missions. But this? I'm shocked Harry never mentioned it. Seems there was this rather bombastic pom, sorry Welly, Englishman, who tried to take care of a local monkey infestation. His actions called forth a monster that disfigured his beautiful wife Catherine and turned her into a creature of the undead as well. Harry took down both Catherine and this monkey beast, and was granted as a thank you gift the monkeys pour.
0: And that's all you have? Well, that's the story so far. Then don't let me keep you any longer.
2: The door to the archive squealed as he pulled it open. Then it clanged shut behind him. Nonsense, Augustus muttered. Absolute, utter nonsense. If he really expects me to believe that tale. He glared at the box Thorne had left behind. Just to prove the field agent wrong, he got up and pulled off the lid. I don't know who he thinks he's fooling. There's no monkey's paw in here. Oh, good heavens! Augustus jumped back, dropping the lid of the box. He stared aghast at the contents he had revealed. Atop a thick stack of papers and two leather-bound journals rested what looked like a small bundle of brittle twigs wrapped in moldy, pus-colored parchment. Except that the parchment had tufts of yellowed fur clinging to it in places. And the bundled twigs ended in black ragged nails. Augustus snatched up his pen from his desk and prodded at the pall until he could clearly see the amputated ends of bones sticking out of the wrist. "'Oh, disgusting! I should file a complaint with Dr. Sound about this. How dare Thorne leave such a gruesome thing here with me? This and that story of his are nothing but blatant attempts at intimidation and harassment. I shall most definitely be filing a complaint.' He shoved the lid back on the box and stalked back to his chair. He would forget Agent Thorne's tale and the unpleasant trophy he had left behind. After all, Augustus had stories of his own to write. Much better stories than anything Thorne could tell. He was quite certain Thorne had made up the whole affair on the spot. In fact, it even sounded as though he had stolen certain details from Augustus's own writing. The temple of Hanuman, the beautiful young woman named Catherine with dark hair and eyes. Even the phrase, Hanuman's gift. Hadn't he, Augustus Whitby, just written those same details only moments before Thorne had entered the archives? The man was a thief, a stealer of ideas. But let him steal as many stories as he liked. Augustus would simply write more. He would write one now, in fact. He returned to his seat "'pulled out his journal, dipped his pen into the inkwell, "'and turned to a blank page. "'He would write... Uh, "'He would write... Um, "'Damnation!' "'He stared at the blank page, "'completely at a loss as to how to fill it. "'He hated this part of writing. "'Why did beginning a tale always have to be so hard?' He blew out his lips and cast a dark glance at the door four stories above, the one through which Thorn had recently exited. It would be much easier to write adventures if someone would just let him out of this miserable prison so he could have one, he thought. He rested his head on the open journal and sighed. "'God, I wish it wasn't so bloody boring down here!' Augustus jumped as some of the boxes stacked around his desk toppled to the ground. Loose papers and journals spilled across the floor. There was the distinct sound of breaking pottery, most likely one of those troublesome relics that had been stored with an agent's field notes. Augustus set his pen down and fumed. Bad enough, those dunderheads had to leave everything piled up around him. Couldn't they at least stack things neatly so they wouldn't fall over? He got up, muttering darkly and went to straighten up the mess. He stuffed papers and journals back into the empty boxes until he noticed that one of the ledgers he was holding had been written by Harrison Thorne. Thirteen March, Bombay, Augustus read aloud. Sir Chauncey Stewart buried his wife Catherine today. Oh dear... He flipped through several more pages, scanning the sloping handwriting of Field Agent Thorne. A chill ran down Augustus' spine as he recognized details from Thorne's earlier tale. It was all there. The monkeys, Sir Chauncey and his beloved wife, the lady's tragic death, and the horrific events that had followed. Coincidence, Augustus whispered to himself, stuffing the journal into the nearest empty box. Nothing more than that. He gathered up the rest of the papers as quickly as he could and set the box behind others where he would not have to look at it. He wanted to forget Thorne's tale. He wanted to forget the journal filled with so many details that Thorne could not possibly have stolen from Augustus' own tale and written down prior to visiting the archives. He wanted to bury himself in a new story all of his own making. A proper story where the hero was rewarded with a kiss from a beautiful lady and maybe something more. He settled at his desk again and prepared to do just that. But when he put his pen to paper, he thought of something else the monkey's paw. He had not found it with Thorne's journal. Augustus pursed his lips. He hadn't seen it on the floor, and he would have most certainly remembered picking up the disgusting thing and putting it away. If Thorne's journal had fallen out of its crate, it must have fallen out, too. But where was it? Could it possibly have slid under his desk? At that moment, something small and fast scrabbled over the tops of his shoes. Augustus shrieked and snatched back his feet, shoving himself away from the desk. His chair toppled over, dumping him onto the floor. "'He flipped over onto his hands and knees and scrambled away "'until he ran into an obstacle behind him that was so solid and heavy "'he could not pass through it, no matter how badly he wanted to. "'More cursed files,' Augustus swore. "'His heart pounded in his chest and his breath came in ragged gasps. "'Why, Dr. Sound, wants to catalogue this rubbish is beyond me.' The archivist pressed himself flat against the massive bulk of a card catalogue that stretched along the wall behind his desk. The wooden behemoth sported several rows of drawers, each filled with musty cards, that for some reason Dr. Sound expected him to fill out for every case report that came into the archives. Not bloody likely, Augustus had thought at the time." and he had let the thing collect dust rather than wear out his fingers scribbling useless notes on card after card. But now the archivist discovered the catalogue might actually prove handy. The drawers were long, heavy, and removable. Heart still pounding, Augustus snatched at the handle of the nearest drawer and yanked it out of its place. Hundreds of yellowing cards erupted into the air as he swung around and brandished the drawer before him. Where are you, you bloody bastard? He spun around, eyes darting from shadow to shadow as he scanned the area around him. Something quick and dark scurried across the floor, coming towards him. Augustus swung the drawer up over his head and brought it smashing down into the floor. He cracked a tile into tiny pieces and dented the end of the drawer, but missed his target entirely as it skittered past him. Oh no, you don't! Augustus swung again, this time splintering his contrived weapon and leaving a nasty dent on the surface of the catalogue. The rat—it had to be a rat—scurried inside the open slot just in time. Panting, Augustus stood and listened. He could hear it scrabbling around inside, tiny claws scratching on the wood. When the creature came to a stop, he grabbed another handle and heaved. More cards flew through the air as he brought a second drawer crashing down onto the floor. As before, he shattered a tile and reduced the drawer to kindling, but failed to stop the repulsive sound of skittering claws. So he tore out another drawer, and then another, and another, demolishing each against the floor. White cards fluttered down on him as he decimated the catalogue, but still his prey eluded him. At last, Augustus thought he spied the thing creeping out of an empty slot. He grabbed one last drawer and bashed it against the catalog. The drawer burst into smithereens, and he was left holding the useless brass handle. Did I get it? Augustus wondered. He stared at the battered catalog, ears strained for the scuttering sounds of rodent feet. After long moments of silence, interrupted only by the rapid thumping of his heart, he finally relaxed. That'll teach you, he muttered. Then he looked at the mess of broken wood and paper cards at his feet and sighed. So much trouble for such an insignificant pest. It would take him days to clean this up. It wasn't his fault, though. The archives were overrun with rats now. He should go upstairs and complain to Dr. Sound about that as well as everything else he'd had to endure so far that day. A rodent infestation would make it impossible for him to work down here. The Ministry would have to move him out of here to a proper office immediately. But even Augustus knew that would not likely happen. As the archivist kicked aside a broken drawer and righted his chair, he studied the wall of boxes surrounding his desk. Perhaps he should stash these reports in some other spot of the archives. Then he would have a clear view of the floor and be able to keep an eye out for rats and... Well... "'any other pests that might be lurking about. "'There was a chamber at the farthest end of the archives. "'It was a dark little cavity that reeked of mildew, "'but Augustus reminded himself "'it was at the farthest end of the archives. "'That made it the perfect place to store these bothersome reports "'with their grotesque stories and disgusting artifacts. "'Once he tossed everything in there, "'he would never have to look at or think about any of it again.' He could simply lock the door and be done with it. Not that he needed to lock the door. The contents of these boxes were completely harmless, after all. Nothing to worry about, he told himself, as he stood, rolled up his sleeves and prepared for the long, unpleasant task ahead of him. He detested manual labor. But perhaps, once he cleared away the current mess, he could convince the field agents to cart their case reports to the farthest recesses of the archives themselves. Augustus examined the nearest box in the pile. There was a label on it identifying the contents as a report from Agent Brandon Hill. Something about a giant hairy ape haunting the mountains in Nepal, Augustus recalled. The man had insisted on boring him with his story, much as Thorne had done earlier. But at least he hadn't brought back any severed body parts. Augustus picked up the box, grunting as he did so. Did Agent Hill really have to write such copious notes and then collect so much evidence and dump it all on him? Augustus was definitely making the field agents put away their own reports from now on. He headed into the main corridor of the archives, passing by endless rows of shelves stocked with an equally endless supply of rubbish, rusting swords, broken pottery, crumbling scrolls, bits and pieces of bizarre machinery— High up on the top shelves there was a large collection of crystal skulls that seemed to glow in the dim light of the archives. There was no rhyme or reason to the storing of these items. Augustus's predecessors had obviously been just as bored and uninspired by the job of archivist as he was. He passed by several shelves filled with jars containing the pickled remains of obscure zoological specimens and grimaced. Those reminded him too much of Thorne's diseased monkey. Perhaps he would move those items as well, putting them out of sight and out of mind. But for now, he needed to deal with these blasted reports. After several minutes of huffing and puffing, Augustus finally reached the end of the corridor and the chamber he sought. Sweating, he dropped the box. It made a crunching noise as it landed on the floor. Augustus winced, but then decided that no one ever returned to look at anything in the archives anyway— So a few broken items didn't really matter. He grabbed the handle to the chamber door and pushed. It refused to budge. He tried again. It still did not move. Wonderful. It's locked. He threw up his hands before trudging back down the corridor. Now he would have to find the key on top of everything else. This whole affair was getting more and more annoying by the moment. He was almost back to his desk when he heard another crash, this time coming from somewhere in the corridor behind him. He spun around, startled. Who? Who's there? No one answered, of course. He was alone down here. Scowling, Augustus headed back down the corridor. In the flickering gaslights, he discovered the shattered remains of several of the jarred zoological specimens he had noticed earlier. The preserved, rubbery corpses lay splattered all over the floor, congealing in a pool of foul-smelling yellowish fluid. Augustus groaned. The mess completely blocked the way to the chamber where he had intended to store the reports. Now he would have to clean up this as well. "'Lovely. Just lovely!' Can it possibly get any worse today? He leaned against the now-empty shelves in despair. As his hand came to rest on the dusty surface, something small and wiry sprang out of the shadows and landed on his arm. Augustus let out a blood-curdling scream. This was no rat. The thing froze on his wrist long enough to let him get a good look at it, and it looked exactly like a bundle of dried twigs wrapped up in a bit of moldy parchment. But this time... It wasn't lifeless. Fingers moving like mummified spider legs, the monkey's paw scampered over his shoulder and down his back before leaping onto another shelf and disappearing again. Oh, God! It can't be! It can't! Shaking, Augustus scrambled away from the spot where the monkey's paw had disappeared. He rubbed his eyes and stared in horrified disbelief. It simply was not possible. There was no way a dried-up, severed monkey's paw could move of its own accord that bully thorn was playing a trick on him he'd obviously convinced the adults in research and design to build a mechanical hand for the purpose of playing some sick twisted practical joke well augustus wouldn't put up with it he would go to dr sound right this very instant and complain at a pace somewhere between a walk and a run augustus hurried down the corridor he was in sight of the main chamber when the contents of the shelves in front of him toppled without warning An array of rusty ceremonial daggers, heavy stone idols, and moldering journals crashed to the floor. Augustus jumped out of the way just in time. He backpedaled and tripped, landing on his rump. Once again, he felt the skittering of something small and grisly, this time racing up his trousers. A mindless panic seized him. He began beating at his legs. The thing eluded his blows and scrambled up to his waist. Augustus aimed a punch at his midsection and succeeded in hitting himself in the groin. While he doubled over on the floor and groaned, the paw wormed its way inside his shirt. Augustus shrieked. He could now feel the thing crawling against his body. He screamed and redoubled his efforts, slapping hard at himself, but the paw was too agile. It worked his way up his stomach and ran in circles over his chest. Augustus could feel its ragged nails scratch against his skin. Howling, he writhed on the floor, tearing at his clothing. Oh, God, he had to get it off of him! He tore free of his waistcoat just as the paw escaped through his shirt collar and raced up his head. Augustus slapped at it and smacked himself in the face instead. After the stars had cleared from his vision, Augustus sat up. The paw had once again disappeared into the shadows. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Augustus whimpered and scuttled away, desperate to escape. He crouched against the wall, unsure which direction to go. Both ends of the corridor were now obstructed by some very nasty, malignant obstacles. Going back would do no good, he realized. There was no way out there. He would have to move forward, quickly but carefully, and hope to avoid any pitfalls along the way. He was stealing his nerves for a race out of the corridor when he heard a scraping noise from high above him. With a squeal, Augustus rolled aside and barely missed having his head caved in by a skull made of glowing crystal. Just as it smashed against the floor, a second skull followed it, and another followed that. Augustus continued rolling along the floor, avoiding the deadly missiles as best he could. Damnation, he bellowed, as he rolled onto something sharp enough to pierce his arm. He had worked his way back to the broken jars and landed right in the gruesome debris. Blood and embalming fluid saturated his sleeve, making Augustus want to vomit. You! You monstrosity! he shouted, though he didn't know to whom he was shouting at. Thorn, perhaps? The paw? Ridiculous. It wasn't real. It was not real. But he had seen it. Trembling, Augustus huddled against the wall of the corridor again, eyes darting round, searching for the paw and a means of escape. The floor was now strewn with all sorts of jagged little traps. One wrong step, and he might impale his foot on a shard of glass, or, God forbid, petrified bone. He would have to move carefully, very carefully, to get out. "'Don't panic,' he whispered to himself, as he clambered to his feet. "'No matter what happens, stay calm.' "'Step by unsteady step, he picked his way across the floor. "'Each time something crunched beneath his foot, Augustus froze. "'Just how many fragile, sharp-edged objects had been stored in the archives!' It made for a ridiculously unsafe work environment, he thought. I simply must talk to Dr. Sound about this, he muttered. I'll file a whole list of complaints. He was halfway down the corridor now. Not much farther to go. He could do it. He just had to take his time and be careful. When the gaslight nearest to him flickered out, Augustus snapped his head around. Something dark and spidery ran along the wall, away from the smothered lamp. He caught a glimpse of it just before it reached the next light and extinguished that one, too. Light after light went out in rapid succession. Within moments, the corridor was plunged into darkness. Augustus froze, unsure now of where to place his feet. One wrong move would surely cause him serious harm.' He inched forward, hands out in front of him to feel his way through the darkness. Oh, if I get a hold of that thing, I'll kill it. I'll kill it! I just wish I could find a weapon in all this mess! His foot came down on something wet and slippery at that moment. With a screech, Augustus tumbled backward. He smashed against a set of shelves, bringing the contents crashing down upon him. The din of the wreckage deafened him. Arms flung over his head. Augustus collapsed. When he hit the floor, he felt something skewer his left thigh. Not broken glass this time, but something much more dangerous. The object was long and slender, and he felt a polished handle protruding from the spot where it entered his leg. Augustus clutched at the wound, howling. He had found his weapon. "'Oh, please!' he cried out to the darkness. "'I don't want to die here!' The all-too-familiar scrabbling noise came again. He heard it moving over the floor, coming closer and closer to him. Augustus made to crawl away, but the pain in his leg was too great. The darkened corridor grew darker still as Augustus felt himself grow faint. Was he bleeding to death? Where was that abominable paw?' Damn you, Thorne! This is all your fault! he wept. The thing in the dark skittered closer, and he shuddered. Of all the places to die! I hate this bloody archives! I hate this damnable ministry! I wish I wasn't here! I wish I was someplace else! Any place else! Any place at all! The scrabbling grew louder and louder until it filled the air and threatened to drive him mad. Augustus screamed, the floor beneath him tilted, and he was falling, falling, falling. He landed on a floor of hard-packed earth. A warm breeze, carrying the exotic scents of incense and ripe fruit, whispered in the air. Augustus lifted his head, The light had returned, but the gas lamps had been replaced by crude wooden torches and moonlight. In the wavering luminescence, he saw a gilded figure, huge and grotesquely distorted, looming over him. Its carved face sported the bestial muzzle and protruding brow of an ape. Blood-red rubies glimmered in the depths of its eye sockets. What is this? he whimpered. Where am I? Augustus tried to roll to his hands and knees, only to cry out in anguish as he disturbed the knife protruding from his leg. Someone, please help me, he whimpered. A dismal shuffling noise came in answer to his plea. The archivist turned his head and saw a shadowy figure emerge from the darkness. It was a woman, with a slender figure and pale flesh. Long, dark hair cascaded over one delicate shoulder. Lady Catherine? Augustus murmured, squinting into the darkness. Was he so far gone that he was now reliving his last tale? Ah, well, there were worse ways to go. Catherine! Darling! he called out. "'giving himself up to his fevered imaginings. "'You must help me. "'Come, give us a hand, you saucy wench!' "'Obliging him now, as she never had in his writings, "'the lady stepped forward and held out her hand. "'It was only as her grip tightened around his wrist "'and she leaned forward into the light "'that Augustus noticed something was horribly wrong. "'She was missing half her skull.' and there was a great, gaping hole in her chest. "'Oh, my!' he gasped with his final breath. "'Dear Catherine, I always knew you were heartless. "'Whitby? Whitby, you lazy fool! Where are you? "'I forgot to add something to my report.' The door to the archives clanged open, and in strode field agent Harrison Thorne. He stalked to the stairs and glared down at the archives beneath him. Thorne had never had much use for the archives in general, but Whitby was such a shiftless layabout, he'd made visits to the place completely pointless. If it weren't for the director's insistence that detailed reports be filed on every case, Thorne would never bother with the place at all. "'Whitby!' he called out again. He squinted into the vast, empty space of the Archives' main office. Was it his imagination, or did the place seem unusually dark? It was always a bit dim in the Archives, owing to its underground location. But the atmosphere now seemed practically sepulchral. Thorn descended the wrought-iron stairs to the main floor, ears alert for any hint of noise. The man had to be down here somewhere— He was probably hidden away, writing another one of his terrible stories. Whitby! Thorn had reached the floor at last. It was indeed darker, he realized, and far too quiet. The usual flickering glow that came from the main corridor of the vaults was extinguished. The only light came from a single gas lamp situated on the wall, near the archivist's desk. Thorn walked toward it and stepped on something that made a distinct crunching noise beneath his feet. Looking down, he noticed for the first time the litter of loose papers, scattered journals, and fragments of artifacts that surrounded Whitby's desk. Many of the boxes of reports had been toppled. The desk itself was a shambles, a bottle of ink knocked over and bleeding its contents all over the surface. Bloody hell, Thorn muttered. He grabbed a spare lantern from a hook on the wall, set it on the desk, and lit it. Its feeble orange glow revealed the massive bulk of a card catalog behind Whitby's desk, its wooden surface defaced with heavy gouges and scratches, and most of its drawers missing or broken. Surely it hadn't been like that when he was here an hour ago. Thorne took his lantern and stalked to the corridor, a sense of dread growing in his stomach, The sight that greeted him there transformed the dread into the heavy weight of miserable concern. My God, Whitby, what happened here? But Whitby was not there to answer him. There were traces of the man to be sure. For whose blood could it be that stained the floor and mingled with the gleaming crystal splinters and rubbery, disintegrated specimens strewn everywhere? "'The destruction stretched from one end of the lengthy corridor to the other "'and resembled a battlefield more than a storage space "'for missions long since completed. "'Was it Usher?' Thorn wondered. "'Had they somehow compromised the Ministry's security "'and broken into the place to steal some treasure? "'Or was there someone within the Ministry itself, "'a traitor, who had come down here soon after Thorn had left "'and then struck down the unsuspecting archivist?' Thorn picked his way carefully down the corridor, considering the possibilities until the light of his lantern came to rest on a small, withered object that was far too familiar to him. Oh, no, he breathed. Thorn knelt and picked the mummified paw of a monkey out of a pooling mess of viscous fluid and broken glass. Whitby, you couldn't have, he muttered to himself but he knew all too well the possibilities of what might have happened. "'What did you wish for, you fool? "'What could you have wanted that would have caused all this?' "'Thorn shook his head. "'He didn't have any answers. "'He would have to report Whitby's disappearance immediately, he knew. "'But what could he say about how Whitby disappeared? "'Should he even mention the paw after what he'd seen here today?' "'No.' he decided. It would be best if the cursed thing were forgotten. He tucked the moldering paw into his coat pocket and proceeded through the archives, surveying the rest of the damage. At the far end, he found a box of field reports sitting in front of a heavy wooden door. He pulled on the handle, and the door opened with a shrill screech upon a dank little chamber that reeked of mildew. Thorne stooped and entered, shining his lantern over the grimy paved floor. When he spotted a crack, he was struck with an idea. He stooped and prodded at the stones until he was able to lever one out of its place. Then he fished the paw out of his pocket and tossed it in the gap and replaced the stone over top of it. He pressed down until he heard a brittle snap and the stone settled back into place. His objective complete, Thorn stood and exited the chamber. At the door he stopped and looked back into the room. I wish that no one ever finds you, he said to the darkness. May you rot here for all eternity, you miserable, despicable thing. And with that, he left, closing the door behind him.
0: Helen E.H. Madden is a writer and graphic artist who quit her lucrative day job years ago to tell dirty stories for fun and profit. Her published works include Future Perfect, a collection of fantastic erotica, published by Logical-Lust.com, and Demon by Day, published by Mojo Castle Press.
1: Her erotic stories have appeared in various anthologies, but lately Helen has been indulging her more sinister side with short stories like Let Me Sleep, appearing in the Chronicles of the Order podcast. Helen
0: also draws The Adventures of Cynical Woman, a webcomic about life as a stay-at-home mom and writer. When she's not writing or drawing, Helen thinks about sex. A A lot. lot.
1: For more from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences... Order your copy of Phoenix Rising, a Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences novel, from your favorite bookstore or online from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or the iBookstore. Original music composed by Alex White. Find out more at
0: thegearheart.com. This podcast is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, sharealike 3.0 license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org Tales from the Archives And Imagine That Studios, Koru
1: Studios, Harper Voyager Production
0: I'm Tim Morris
1: And I'm Philippa Ballantyne
0: Thank Thank you you for listening. listening